Welcome back to the Hard Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. And we finally have a listener episode. <laughs> it's been a minute. This is a conglomeration of stories from December through February. We know it's coming out in March. Yes. Leave us alone. <laughs> we had a hard time scheduling because a lot of stuff came in last minute. We had a hard time scheduling when it would come out. Yep. In any case. In any case, here's all the stories. Huzzah. Most of them are from... Dave. Guessed it. David. Uh, I don't know. Kaylin gave him a run for his money. I think that was kind of her goal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, it kind of worked. So this one is from Kaylin, who's actually been on this podcast before. And is a patron. And is a patron. And a high school friend of ours. Yes. Mm-hmm. Her story is entitled Nerds. <laughs> She writes, LOL, you guys should know where I'm from. The first, uh, that's her that's location. That's where she's from. Yes. Yeah. She says, the first time I realized some of my friends were super aviation nerds, we were at a marching band competition. I almost think it was the one we were super late to after the school bus got sideswiped. Yeah. I remember that. I was sitting with was, her when we got sideswiped. Yeah. No, we were like going to f- to watch finals. Yeah, we were going to watch finals. We were. It's probably quarterfinals that year that she's talking about, though. Yeah. Yeah. We were all just kind of waiting around, and then a plane flew overhead. Immediately, Nick and Brendan's head popped up and stared in the direction of the plane and began to discuss what type it was. At the time, I thought it was wild that they'd be able to tell from that distance. After listening to this podcast and learning more about planes, I still think it's wild they were able to tell from the distance. You guys are all nerds, and I think that's great. Thanks for having me on earlier, and I hope to be able to do it again. Thanks. Heart emoji. Heart emoji. Thanks, Kaylin. Also, Christy and I can't do that. Like, I can usually tell if it's a 737, because usually those are Southwest. (laughs) And I can usually tell what type they are if they're on a Southwest flight. Other than that, I have a hard time sometimes. I can I can officially point out a 737. I'm usually good with saying it's a baby bus. I just don't know what kind it is. Triple sevens, 757s are easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because they're pencils. pencil. A350s and 787s are pretty easy too. We just don't get to see them a lot. Mm-hmm. 747s are super easy. A380s are super easy. Yeah, but fat. we never see those. Nope. We saw a 747 once mm-hmm. when we went playing <laughs> once, mm-hmm. and we chased it. Across. Have you all ever tried to chase a 747? It doesn't work. <laughs> try and try hey, and get it before it landed. We got there. We did. <laughs> Just in time. You've also been in a 747. Yes. In Seattle. On the ground. Yes. The original one. Oh, yeah. The first one. Yeah. All right. Next one is titled Railroads, the Podcast, and Pittsburgh by Taylor. Thank you. Taylor is a patron. Oh, okay. Thanks for being a patron, Taylor. She's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Her story starts with, honestly, I'm really nervous to write something that might be read to a mass audience, but I might as well just get reactions about how the railroads are run. I take photos and videos of trains often and quite paradoxically, this is one of my favorite things to listen to to pass the time while I'm waiting. A lot of the episodes slash post episodes really show the humanity of the industry. The one specifically about the Kobe Bryant crash, which just works with me because I suffer 
some kind of balance condition where I can never, ever trust my vestibular system, which, by the way, tells you if you're up or down. That's what the that's what it does. Yes. It's your inner ear. Yes. To be correct and need to use visual or physical cues or objects to keep my bearings. Oh, you must hate being on boats. That would be difficult. <laughs> yeah. To <laughs> and say I'm the so least. Sorry. And I am so sorry. Not very much I do is very story worthy. However, there are a lot of incidents I think are pretty fun to highlight. I want to introduce you all to Pittsburgh, the city of potholes, sinkholes, and near disasters. If we don't talk about the bridge collapse, I'm going to be severely disappointed. I don't know if she's if she sent this in time with the bridge collapse. Yeah, the bridge collapse might have been afterward. Yeah, because these came in at nope. Keep a reading. Lot of different times. Okay. In 2018, we had a very major derailment involving a freight train where a broken rail caused containers to fall from the freight lines down a steep hill onto a light rail station. Thankfully, no one got hurt, and the images of the incident honestly look surreal. Wasn't that... uh, I think I heard about that. Well, and wasn't that movie with Denzel Washington, The Runaway Train, wasn't that also based in Pittsburgh? And that was before this happened, but... I'm pretty sure that was also like in and around Pittsburgh, th- that movie. So that's kind of really horribly ironic. Oh, yes. oh, oh, yeah. We just looked up pictures. Um, oh, horrifying. Oh, ugly. Yeah. Okay. In 2019, we had the Great Sinkhole bus incident. It was a morning rush hour bus stopped at a light red light, and the street below. It just opened up and swallowed the bus. No one got seriously hurt. There was only one driver and one passenger, and the bus has become a cultural icon of the city at this point. Oh my god! That's great. Can yeah. you imagine? It just, just ate the bus. Going around, going about your day, and your entire vehicle gets swallowed by a sinkhole. That's no, great. thank you. Last year, we had another major derailment where a train hit a boulder and derailed on the Ooh. same set of tracks. The first one fell off of. The leading locomotive was noteworthy as it was the heritage unit allocated to the Southern Railway painted in a special green, white, gold scheme. Yes, I see that. Yeah, currently it is sitting on a siding fate unknown. And just last month, we made national news and another cultural icon when a very, very major bridge collapsed during rush hour and ate an articulated bus the pictures of that being lifted out are just beyond surreal. We saw that. <laughs> it was yeah. incredibly ironic because Biden's like, I'm going to go to Pittsburgh to talk about infrastructure. Bridge collapses. Yeah, that's awful. Also, you seem to have a lot of problems in Pittsburgh. Maybe you should uh, get your act together. Maybe that's why Biden went to go talk about uh, infrastructure It in is Pittsburgh. one of the oldest cities. To yes. be fair, I mean, old cities like that, New York... Yes. Um, Any of the original colonies. Yeah. There's going to be buildings and stuff that is just, (laughs) that was her tale. (laughs) Lord. Uh, That are just old and roads that are old that need to be rebuilt because they're old. They just need to be taken care of. All right. The last paragraph is dedicated to the railroad line that runs from Pittsburgh to Altoa? Altoa. Altoa. Sorry, I'm not I'm not keen with the Pittsburgh lingo. And a very specific Monday in January because it was insane. First, a heavy manifest train snapped a drawer 
in Altoona at about 7 a.m. For reference, the drawbar is the entire assembly that contains the coupler of the car and the metal connecting it to the car. Management deemed it too time-consuming to remove the drawbar, as so left it on the tracks. Later on, at 11 a.m., oh. a locomotive burst into flames and came screaming into Conway, the main Norfolk Southern Rail Yard north of Pittsburgh, spewing fire and smoke. The fire was quickly put out, and the locomotive moved to a safe containment until it could be put somewhere better, where the train just got a new locomotive and ran. It was a UPS-slash-FedEx stack train, the same train that derailed last year. Jesus. And the very first stack was completely covered in soot. At 10 p.m., that drawbar came back with a vengeance. In Altoona, local train drove over it, and the drawbar came up and punctured the fuel tank of the leading unit, killing the train and making it a dead weight that wasted way, way more time than just removing the drawbar from the tracks. Yeah, that's just yeah. crazy. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's... Uh-huh. You had plenty of time to move it, obviously, because nothing yeah. hit it until hours and hours later. Yay. So, <laughs> sorry if that whole thing was just a massive rumble. Ramble, sorry. But I do want to show some of the appreciation I have for the fantastic research, humor, and respect put into this podcast. I always look forward to listening to the next episode every Tuesday. So see this as a kind of strange thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. This is, uh, that was interesting. It's interesting hearing about railroad stuff. What are the odds that we have multiple patrons fascinated by trains also you know it's not entirely out there i think if you're fascinated with one it's kind of inherent that and you can work in it yes that you can be fascinated with the other because she works in it dallas mm-hmm. works in it mm-hmm. and one of our 12 year old patrons like hey you should cover a railroad disaster hey when i was probably in elementary school i had a phase where i was like trains are super cool and I thought it was really cool, but then I went back to planes because I was like, eh, planes are still cooler. They go faster. <laughs> but trains are cool, and there's still some crazy stuff about trains, but they still fascinate me, but it's it's a whole different world. But, you know, disasters in both, I think they can be just as morbidly strange and fascinating. So our next story is from David. You guessed it. David. Who is from the former Republic of Texas. <laughs> His words, not mine. And the title of this is Love is a Many Splintered Thing. Oh, God. We did ask for love stories this month. Charles came home from work earlier than expected and found his wife in the backyard setting his parachute on fire after pouring gasoline all over. That's nice. nice. What a way to start that story, David. Oh, boy. Jesus. (laughs) She had delivered the ultimatum skydiving or me. Oh, no. This is never a good thing. They divorced. Yeah, if you have to set an ultimatum... You shouldn't be together anyway. Yeah. I once watched, I jokingly asked Nick, what do you love more, me or airplanes? And he very begrudgingly, (laughs) very begrudgingly. Not really. No. Oh, so you love planes more? No, I love you. Okay. (laughs) But planes are cool. Yeah. Put them on the the spot like that, Chris. And also, these are loaded questions that should never be a situation. (laughs) Yeah. So never make that a thing. No, it's a joke. Yes. It's fine. Anyway. You appreciate the aviation stuff anyways. I do. So it works. I love you for it. I love you too. Anyway, (laughs) 
Similarly, Mac found his wife with his parachute in one hand and a razor blade in the other, cutting the lines off oh, the attachment point. Good. Like Charles's wife, she delivered the ultimatum and they two divorced. Again, if you have to set an ultimatum, ladies, <laughs> it's it's over. Just to divorce. There's they're not gonna choose you. <laughs> That's pretty much that. There were couples where both husband and wife jumped. There were many more where the guy jumped and the and wife or girlfriend sat around all day or all weekend while he jumped. There was one exception in that a female jumped but not her husband. He never came to the drop zone to just hang around. I don't blame him. If if not jumping, it was a boring ass day reading stuff on a lawn chair, usually hiding from the scorching sun under one of those quickie ups or whatever they're called. I suppose that's love. Spending a precious weekend watching a significant other cavort with other idiots who thought falling great distances was somehow enjoyable. <laughs> uh, I do cute. like the way you put that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was very enjoyable. I loved almost every minute of it. Almost. Almost. <laughs> There's an almost in there. Other than nearly dying at least once. At least once. I cannot downplay how close all of us were. You hear this about football and baseball teams, shipmates, squadron mates, members of a platoon or a squad, especially if they see combat. Bands too, I suppose. Anything where, for whatever it is people are doing, it takes everyone doing something individually and correctly to make it worth. Can confirm. Can confirm. Yes. That is why we're friends, so. We met in marching band, in case you're new here. Yep. That's also where we met Kaylin, in case you're new here. Yep. One of the differences between us jumping and most all the rest is communication. We could not talk in freefall. Hell, we could barely talk in the airplanes. <laughs> Shouting worked, but not talking. While in actual freefall, we did head and eye movements to key what was next. We jumped so often together that we became like mind readers and anticipated each other's movements. We drank together, ate together, hung out together on weekends when it rained, and had sync to a new low parties during drunk fronts. You know, a front blows in with crappy weather. weather. We drank... Yeah, EFS, eat fuck skydive. <laughs> sure. Fair okay. enough. But then as we closed in on our 30s, realizations occurred. Like not being in a relationship with an intimate, intimate person, not having a house, stuck in a dead-end job, not having edumacation. <laughs> SP on purple? I don't know. What does that mean, David? Let us know. Still driving that $200 car with four different wheels and photon torpedo hits on the hood <laughs> where the paint and Bondo keeps falling off. <laughs> yeah. One guy still wore Tough Skins, a brand of clothing that I think Sears marketed for active kids. Jeff would eat onion sandwiches because he could afford those. I ate cans of octopus and squid in its own ink as they were cheap and gluten-free. I never had to worry about anyone stealing them either. No, yeah. who would eat that? No kidding. I'm mother. <laughs> no, thank you. Your mother's also from Guam. Yes. So. Anyway, but damn, being in an airplane as it taxied to the runway, the door open and watching the tire roll over the pavement, the stripes indicating where we were, then onto the runway, close and latch the door, watch Benny tell the Unicom what he was going to do, pull the throttle and add power, then beautiful roar from the 182's engine, the slight G as we quickly accelerated, and rotation and watching that boring, normal world fall away. I love that so much. In the years since, I've never had friendships or closeness like I had then. Honestly, not even to my wife. However, I don't have to worry about ultimatums or about seeing $3,000 worth of Dacron low porosity and Kevlar melt away out of jealousy. Instead, I worry about the yard, the house, do we need a new vehicle since one isn't worth fixing, and about work. Yuck. Adulting sucks. It does suck. It does suck. Can confirm. I'd rather be skydiving. 
but you can't go home again. Those days and those people are long gone from my life, but not my memories. At least not yet. Oh, don't say that. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. That's so sad. That's so sad. Yeah. I mean, I, I we can all, we, at least the three of us can relate to that. I, mm-hmm. mean, I think my high school band was the closest thing I had to a family away from home. Yeah, I get that. And then college band yeah. too. I mean, I have a bunch of sure. friends from college band that they yeah. will literally be my friends for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I we completely understand, even though we don't skydive, David. Passion is a thing. Yep. And it is a, a form of love, just its own. Yes. All right. Back to Kaylin, <laughs> who titled her story Like Story. I don't know if it's supposed to be like or life. No, it's like. Like story? Okay, I didn't read it. She's um, from somewhere cooler than David. So she hit on David. <laughs> She's like somewhere cooler than David. Colorado is cooler than Texas or Georgia. Can confirm. Can he was also here for a period of time. Oh, that's You may recall he worked ground operations in Grand Georgia. Yeah, but he doesn't identify as being from here. No, no. Anyways. I have trouble saying I am in love with aviation. I know as much about it as I've heard on this podcast. I used to think a fuselage had something to do with fuel. (laughs) Funny. I have noticed that since I started listening, there have been times I have pulled out little tidbits of knowledge that I've learned in conversation. I would say at parties, but the last party I went to was New Year's. And And you guys knew all those fun facts. Yeah, (laughs) because it was here for New Year's. (laughs) I definitely believe at this point I can say I am in like with aviation. Not love, like. I'll never get to the point of knowledge base you guys have, and I'm super okay with that. Aviation for me is the definition of a casual hobby. I can name a handful of planes. I can't remember which way the directions of pitch roll are when you drop them in the episode. I can pick out what planes are as they fly overhead. I can drop random fun facts about stories, and that's enough for me. Thanks for a podcast that's engaging and full of weird Miranda Rage science fun factoids from Nick. <laughs> a bunch welcome. of slashes in there and all these things. You know, it's really funny. We had a, a call with one of our patrons um, last Thursday. Mm-hmm. And it there, his mom is Christy's co-worker. And we passed him around and he got to me. He's like, I love your rage. I'm like, everybody loves my rage. <laughs> everybody. And then he was like, you should cover a railroad incident. I'm like, no, no. it's not our thing. I do. It, there's a cool YouTube channel, though, if you want to check it out. I, I should look it up before the end of the episode and tell you guys, because I've watched some stuff that they've done about mm-hmm. train disasters, like train collisions and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I'm like, wow, fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Also, someone sent us an email recently about sea disasters. I saw that. I've seen yeah. the entire season that's available on Amazon for <laughs> free. <laughs> So, you're welcome. Uh, That tidbit. Okay. On that note. Next one is from our patron, Dallas. He's from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where they say... Sorry. Uh, And then it's titled, I promised a railroad story. Sorry, it's late. Well, it turns out it's not that late, so don't worry about it. It's okay. It's in here. (laughs) We, We figured it out. So, I worked the railroad all... The live long day for four years. All the live long day. Sorry. I started off in an oil refinery in Tulsa. Okay, moving their tanker cars around to be unloaded and loaded. I think he means Tulsa, Oklahoma. Moving yes. Their- oh. 
Sorry. That was not 100% clear to me. It's okay. I have a learning disability. Okay. It's all right. Moving it, on. It, uh, whatever. There's some stories in those first two years that I will save for later. That was ominous. <laughs> but after I got my start there and learned the ropes, I moved on to a bigger railroad company. At this company, we were moving trains from o- Owasso, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, yep. all the way down to Lowton, Oklahoma, 205 miles one way. I spent most of this time as the conductor. Ooh, cool. Nice. The guy who is on the ground making the calls on what to do, where to go, filling out the paperwork, physically hooking the cars together, all that good stuff. The engineer is the one that operates the train itself. If you want to impress railroad workers, always say you operate a train. You don't drive a train. (laughs) Makes sense. True. My fun fact, my uncle works for... Union Pacific here in oh, Colorado. So I mean, it's a similar thing in in aviation. You don't drive a plane. No. <laughs> nor are you the plane driver. <laughs> You're a pilot and you fly the airplane. Anyway. Someone go up to a pilot one day and say, hey, do you dr- drive that plane out there? <laughs> thank, you. thank you for driving the airplane thank today. Thank you for driving the airplane. Sorry. That was like a, a slight tangent, but that would Anyways. be hilarious. Yes. And then film yourself doing it and send it to us. But you thank see you. how uncomfortable that phraseology is. So yes, I understand what you mean okay moving it forward and backward if you ever want to insult an engineer just tell him his only job is to go forward or backward and nothing else good to know at one point i got promoted to student engineer where i was to operate a train under supervision any by another licensed engineer for a certain amount of time to get my very own engineer's license just like the airlines lol nice well On one fateful day, in the middle of a typical Oklahoma summer, the unthinkable happened. See, the thing about the rail tracks that trains run on, they are very much affected by weather changes. Well, they're made out of metal, so they would. Yes, this is pretty normal. Cold weather makes them shrink, and hot weather makes them expand. You know, as they do. As, As metal does. Physics! Physics. And Oklahoma is notorious for its drastic weather changes from day to day. Yeah. Oh, uh, really? Us too, by the way. Yeah. This week, it's in the 70s. Next week, it'll be in the 40s. And last week, it was negative 30. So yeah. it's okay. Wind chill. Still, and then Celsius. It was still like negative nine that day. Yes. It was freezing. Anyway. But also, we don't have tornadoes we that do. much. Just not like they do. Yeah, and usually they're out east, away from us. We also have massive hail, torrential rains, and then broad sunshine. And that's one day, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You're not wrong. You can see the, the hail coming from far away. Oh, yeah. We can go from bright sunny weather to a huge hailstorm with twisters to a snowstorm all in the same week. Well, look at that. <laughs> which we just talked about, which makes our rail sketchy, LOL. Cold weather can make the rail break in tiny spots that trains can go right over with no problem. But heat is something else. There's a rule in place with the railroads that if the track is a certain degree too hot, you have to have a speed restriction or a speed limit in place where you have to go slower. And in extreme cases of heat, we are not allowed to move the trains at all. And here's why. Probably a brake issue, right? Uh, I would think. Oh, no. So one day, I'm the student engineer of a train moving it from Oklahoma City down to Lawton. And it's a typical Oklahoma summer day. It's pretty hot, but not as hot as it could be. 
but we were still under a speed restriction, so it's slow going. About halfway through the trip, we were going through a town called Chickasa? Chickasha? Chickasha? Yeah, I think so. Oklahoma. And the engineer who was training me started to tell me a story about a couple of years before about how he came across a quote-unquote sun kink in the rail in in this town. A quote-unquote sun kink is when the rail gets so hot and expands so much that it forms an S shape, which is not good for the train because they like things parallel. Yes, they do. Yes. That, that, that's how trains work. Not in S's. As he's telling me this story, we come up to a turn and he says, this is where it was. Want to take a guess as to what we saw coming around that corner? Yep, I bet I know. <laughs> oh, it was another sun kink. I'm sure my eyes were as white as saucers when I saw it. I immediately put the train in emergency. Instead of all gas, no brakes, it was all brakes, no gas. Yes. Yep. At least you're going slow, too, because it's hot. And we went straight through it anyway. Trains don't stop quick, as we all know. Yeah, they're like giant moving metal things. Yep. Yeah. That fun fact take a while to stop. So <laughs> I was terrified. But as luck would have it, the train managed to stay on the tracks and we survived. It ended up being a long night afterwards, but I'm just glad we made it through it. I hope y'all enjoyed the story and let me know if you want more. I of do. Of course we do. Yes. This is interesting stuff, my friend. It is. I have a few. Great. Tell them to us. Yes. I appreciate all y'all do and bring us the podcast every week. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. you did this, the Southern thing. You did the y'all thing. Yes. I can appreciate it. I, I say y'all my, all the time. I find myself doing it more when I'm at work because two of my coworkers are from Texas. Yeah. Fair enough. Like rubs off on you. Yeah. Fair enough. Ooh. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting story. I mean, the physics makes sense too. Yes, it's expanding. It tries to expand against itself. Well, and so, the like, only we way know, it can go is curve. Yeah, we know that like roads and stuff buckle, uh-huh. but metal doesn't have to buckle depending on how much it uh, deforms. Right. Yeah. Especially when you take in the Poisson's ratio and how. And never mind. Yep. Okay. There's your, there's your engineer brain is showing. It's like you know what? We it's okay. Need, we don't need the technical jargon. We just it goes. From this to this. If straight to but curvy. Let me know if you want to know what the Poisson's ratio is. <laughs> super exciting. <laughs> super, super riveting stuff. <laughs> so are planes. <laughs> they have rivets. They have rivets. <laughs> <laughs> <They're> not- oh! <laughs> I love that. I was I like, wait, we, we got a thing for that. I love that we can do that now. Okay. okay. Anyway. Okay. So our next story comes from Vanessa. She uses she, her pronouns. She is from Fairbanks, Alaska. Alaska. And her story is entitled Worst Beach Day Ever. All right. Oh, no. Well, you do live in Alaska, so. There's a a lot of coastline. Yeah. I'm interested to see what happens next. I'm interested. Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was 17, my family and I went on a two-week vacation to Hawaii. Oh, we're not in Alaska. (laughs) <laughs> no, we're in the other, the other outlying, the other not lower 48 state. We were really lucky since dad's company gave us a hotel room by the ocean. Okay, wow. Uh, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome, though. And like two days in, my dad and I decided to go to the beach, as you do. 
For future context, the beach had a little wall separating the swimming and non-swimming areas. One side had the beach and the other was a tall wall where huge waves would crash against as people walked above. Dad and I found out we could walk way out into the ocean, and I'd never been so far into a body of water before, so it was really cool. We had fun jumping over waves for a while till he had to go to his meeting, so he left and would come back in three hours. I stay behind to enjoy jumping around until the sun starts to set and I've gotten tired. So I start walking back, except I take a few steps towards land and the ground goes out from under me. Oh, Oh, do you get in a, <gasps> what is it, a riptide or, or nope, I have undertow? A I have a completely other idea that happened to my mom. Let's, oh. let's keep reading. Turns out, landlocked Fairbanksians, we totally forgot about the existence of the tide. Oops. So it's not what I thought it was. Oh. It's just the tide going out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm a weak swimmer, having to swim further than I've ever swam before, already tired from jumping around. Well, no time like the present. So I go forward and start swimming. I try to focus only on swimming well and not waste energy as I notice the current is pushing me to the side, towards the tall wall with the big waves. That's not good. And the smaller wall separating the swimming and the swimming areas is coming up. I had to swim practically sideways to make it on the other side when I when it came up so I don't get stuck and battered against the concrete. I managed to make it inside the swimming area by the time it's dark, but at this point I'm exhausted. All I can think about is the next push and the next kick. I'm completely focused till I feel something hit my toe. It's sand! Oh man, I've never been so relieved. Oh. <laughs> this is the third time I've almost drowned and survived again. I'm sorry. What? Well. Thir okay. There story are two, time? There are two more stories you need to tell us. Story time. <laughs> saga. The Vanessa saga. <laughs> the Vanessa near drowning stories. Oh lord. I drag myself out of the water like the monster from the Black Lagoon and stumble my way to our stuff. And stumble and keep on going. Where's my stuff? My bag and my sandals. I walk in circles looking until I find a single flip-flop. Oh no, someone stole our stuff. I just got over my last adrenaline rush and now I've got another as I'm blind as a bat and my glasses were with my stuff. Oh, oh That no. sucks. I had to walk all over the beach looking for the lifeguard tower or anything really, but it's dark and I can't see anything. At this point, I start seeing the local homeless people start camping out by the beach and I'm still exhausted and hopeless in a fight. So I just start walking in the direction of the hotel. Dad and I had only walked from the hotel to the beach once, and that was in the day. Now my only choice was to get going as the streets cleared out. So here I am, a barefooted 17-year-old with no shoes, no clothes, no choice. Not being able to see did pay off a bit as I couldn't see anyone looking at me. A few blocks later, I find the big arch and stairs to our hotel. Oh man, I survived again. Go Ness. <laughs> I was way too tired to care that I didn't have my room key and would probably have to camp in the hallway till someone came back. Better than the streets. So I'm trudging up the stairs when I come across a familiar silhouette. It's my mom. All right. She's taking the laundry away, and we just so happened to bump into each other. Holy crap, I was ha so happy to see her. She gave me some clean clothes and even her own shoes off her feet and sent me off to the room. I'm laying in the room, body heavy from my triathlon. When dad calls. He's so happy to hear I'm okay. Turns out he took everything when he went to his meeting and just expected I'd stay swimming for hours until he came back. What? Uh, I'm sorry, that's That's the next. what I was going to say. I'm like, are you sure your dad didn't take your stuff? But now I'm like, also, that seems he rude. did. And a little, without like leaving a note or something? I don't know. I feel like that's not great. No, it's not. Oh man, I was absolutely furious. I was ready to tear this guy apart. Till he told me his side of the story. By the time I discovered her stuff was gone and was wandering around helplessly, Dad came back from his meeting, noticed I wasn't at her spot, then remembered I'm a swimmer, and <laughs> ran to the ocean. 
He was terrified I was drowning somewhere when he saw the raised tide and didn't leave the water in fear I would I was just under the water feet from him. That's what he was doing until I got back to the hotel. When he went back to the beach where mom bawled him out over the phone, he may have stressed me the heck out and put me in danger, but I felt so bad for him I forgave him. Plus, mom already destroyed me. I'm sure she did. Yeah. And that's the worst beach day I've ever had. My dad's ever had, and my mom too, even though she wasn't even at the beach. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's pretty stressful. Yes. When you're alone and and your stuff's gone and you don't know what happened and you can't see anything. I can't, as someone who wears glasses and can't see without them, I sympathize. I had a previous coworker. Um, who's actually listened to this podcast quite a bit, and he was there for kind of from the beginning. He He's the one who gave us Keep Your Airspeed Up. Brad? Yep, Brad. Him and his son, this was a couple years ago, and it was summertime. He had gone for a couple of weeks, and I hadn't seen him and such, and then he comes back, and I say, oh, how was your vacation? Not great, actually. Oh, why was that? Well, my son and I took my grandfather's sailboat out, off the coast of I uh, the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. Off the coast of Galveston and then we flipped over forty miles or no, it wasn't that far, but it was it was some miles away from shore in the middle of the night. They lost the boat and they had to swim many miles back to shore in the dark. I mean they couldn't even see the city from yeah, where they were. They had life jackets though. They had life jackets, but they they had to swim to shore and they couldn't see it. So they were just kind of blindly swimming in the direction they thought the city was. Thankfully, it was. Eventually, they saw lights, and then they were able to swim back to the city. I mean, it's just... Uh, I'm so stressed. I know. Especially, like, one of my favorite books growing up was Life of Pi. That's all I could think of. Yeah. Being stranded at sea like that. With a tiger? Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) Moving on. Back to David. Okay. Shocker. David's story this time... Is entitled Love and Stuff. Also, he's from Texas. Has it always been so crazy? Cray? Uh, so cray cray? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. It, it's no, no offense cray cray. to Texans. My boyfriend's a Texan. But you, you kind of cray cray But yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, he writes, I saw her the first time at the Dobbins Cadet Squadron headquarters on our usual meeting night. She was cute in a tomboy kind of way, glasses, a shy smile, and athletic body. When chatting her up, she said she wanted to be a doctor so she could embarrass men. That was wow. it. Wow. That okay. was it. I fell in love and have yet to fall out. That was oh, in 1978. Nice. Yeah. That was in 1978. And over the last 45 plus years, we haven't always been together. We went separate ways, though I refuse to forget her. Even when in love with someone else, she was occupying a place somewhere in my occiput, i.e. the back of my mind. The occiput being the back of the skull. I guess that makes sense. Yep. As an occipital? Yes. Ah. Yep. A little physical anthropology humor. Ha ha. Ha ha I got it. I was there. 30 years later, we got back together. We were different people by then, yet not different at all. Health had been problematic for us both, with her contracting a horrible disease as a result of knee surgery called complex regional pain syndrome, type 1, now in stage 4. So sorry. Her entire right leg is is compromised. Her pain level every second of living is that of having a finger cut off without anesthesia. Oh, God. And that's not the worst of it, with the rest of it being somewhat complicated. 
You might hear some squeaks. Milo is squeaking the squeakers. He's squeaking the squeakers. Being as how I fell in love that night back in 78 and never forgot her, never forgot the smell of sand and sable perfume, never forgot her fascinating gray eyes and how they sparkled with mischief, never forgot the feeling of her lips on mine or explaining to my parents the hickey the size of Scotland on my neck, I asked her to marry me. So far, the 16 years have been okay. I'll hold on to her as long as there is breath in our bodies. Aww, that's Cute. sweet. Since the last time you spoke about love, you talked about your divorce. I think this is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Okay, next one's also from David. There is no title because I think he emailed us this. Yes, uh, he emailed two of them. Yeah. And one one of them was like, but for whenever, if ever, you do stories again. I'm like, we're getting to it. Calm down. We're doing it. We're sorry. You were the only one who submitted stuff for two months in a row, okay? <laughs> and you didn't do your normal five stories a month, so we couldn't do anything with it. Don't come at us, David, okay? We're working on it. <laughs> Here we are. Okay. I keep going back to my first jump as being of particular significance. Not so much because of the no- novelty? No- novelty. Novelty. I'm like, I knew the word, but my brain was like, you don't know the word. <laughs> <laughs> this is new. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> the novelty of jumping out of an airplane, but rather finding what I could call my people or my tribe and doing something fun and exciting for a decade without it getting old. Yeah, we get that. As you said before with your other story. Yeah. At the time of that first jump, I was in kind of a bad place. I had been abandoned by my high school friends, not deliberately or out of a place of darkness, but of necessity in order for them to grow and thrive. Whether they went off to college or the military, the distance began to tell. I wondered how they were all doing as I sweated my butt off in a blazing hot UPS truck loading boxes. The UPS facility was near the Fulton County Airport, FTY, and every day on my way home, I drove past Army C-47s and a couple more that belonged to the FAA. A Convair 240 that belonged to Georgia Tech was also visible from the road. Airplanes would fly over me as I drove west on Interstate 20. Several times I got honked at for paying more attention to the airplane than the road. That sounds familiar. <laughs> hey, shh. Shut to be up. fair, if I go to work at the right time of morning, I catch planes landing into DIA and I'm like, ooh, and I'm like, watch the road, but also watch the plane, but also watch the road. (laughs) Can you imagine that being your your excuse for getting a ticket? Why why were you swerving? Okay, listen. There was this awesome aircraft flying over. (laughs) I had to look at it. I wanted to look at it, and then I got distracted. They'd probably tell you, well, then pull over. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. By the time I passed Six Flags, all the airplane traffic was... Well beyond me, and as the excitement of getting to see the old C-47s and whatever Mooney or Beach happened to be flying over I-20 went away, I settled into a lonely gloom of going home, taking a shower, eating dinner, watching a rerun of Hawaii Five-0, then Star Trek, then going into my room to read, 
be kept awake almost most of the night by undiagnosed restless leg syndrome. Oh, that sucks. I had, I think, like a temporary restless leg syndrome for like six months, and it was brutal. I mean, I a lot of people make fun of that one, but it is so much Horrible. worse than you, than you can imagine. It's like forced fidgeting. It is. Well, it's, it's. And if you don't, your legs like burn. Yeah. It, it is. I can't explain it. It it It's painful. Like literally your legs hurt if you're not moving. Like it's it's like that hurt that you have after you've exercised a lot. It's yeah. that lactic burn. Yeah. It's kind of that lactic burn. And it is so uncomfortable. I can't even. And it really does keep you awake. Yeah. I've heard um, some YouTubers talk about it before. It It just sounds horrible. It is so much more brutal than people. Then the name makes it sound. Yeah. They should give it a different name because it's so much more complicated than that. It's horrible. And getting up exhausted by a lack of quality sleep and doing it all again. Weekends, I'd go into the woods looking for rocks, animal tracks, anything to stir up a little excitement. Then one day in the newspaper, there was the ad. Skydive at the Etowa. Sure. Sure. Skydiving Center, Cartersville, Georgia. I went, I learned, I jump again and again for 12 years. I had found my people, my tribe. My life was no longer Groundhog Day gloom, but enriched by blue sky, white fluffy clouds, and falling earthward until I opened my parachute and flew it with abandon, spiraling down, then surging fast into level flight before pulling down hard on the steering line and spiraling again. Then fly it downwind. Turn upwind, finesse the parachute with deft movement, and tiptoe land on a target. Awesomeness, pure adrenaline, awesomeness. I kind of feel similar to David in a way because I was in a very monotonous place for quite some time with my Uh previous job. And it was really, really, really draining in its own way. So while I'm not doing something as adrenaline-ridden as you are, or as you did... You're having the time of your life. I love my new job. And He's around airplanes I, all the time. I still don't feel like I've worked a day, and he, I love it. He opens the door of his office, and there's an A320 right in front of him. Yes. I mean, I, I, love, I love it. I love it. I love being Nerd. around it. Nerd. I love being deep in the stuff. <laughs> I get to travel for my job. I get to meet people that have the same interests as me. I get to be deep in the stuff that I enjoy. We had a really interesting dinner with his boss when he first started. And we were talking about the podcast. And Luke was like, my wife would never talk about this stuff. I'm like, yeah, how many spouses would sit there and talk about safety management systems? And he's like, none. It's just you. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So I appreciate it. My last story is from David. Shocker. I know. Shocker. Complete shock. Such shock. I'm so shocked. Whenever I hear the ZZ Top tune Lagrange, I get mixed feelings. I love the song. I loved it so much that the first record I ever bought, as in a vinyl record that got played on a record player, was the album Tres Hombres by ZZ Top that had Lagrange on it. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. Lagrange, probably, but... I don't know. I was in the 10th grade, I think. I love music, just never got into the buying records like a lot of my classmates. I remember seeing classmates clutching albums like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John and Frampton Comes Alive or something like that in high school. But for me, it was plastic model airplanes instead of records. I'm not looking at it. Hey, I'm not looking. stop it. Mine aren't plastic. 
<laughs> Some of them are. Yeah, but not not many of them. I could listen to the radio for the music part, but Lagrange was so damn good that I wanted to hear it over and over, so I bought the record. It became one of the tunes played at boogies, like the turkey boogie, Memorial Day boogie. Boogies being when lots of jumpers show up at a drop zone to jump from cool airplanes like DC-3, Skyvans, Porters, Helio Couriers, Balloons, etc. Other tunes were Flirtin' with Disaster by Molly Hatchett, Born to be Wild. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. classic. Crazy Train by Ozzy, Uh, as you do. Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding by Elton John, and others. The list is long. LaGrange is also a town in West Georgia, right off I-20 near the Alabama border. They have an airport there that we jumped a few times back in the early to mid-80s. It was a long drive, and it didn't work out. Not sure why. If I knew, I forgot. It was... At LaGrange, that my love of skydiving faced adversity. Adversity being that thing that really does test how strong a relationship is. It also taught me about confirmation bias. A logical fallacy that we humans easily fall into. Yep. We've talked about it. Many a life has been effed up by confirmation bias. I had around 100 jumps at the time, and after a good skydive, I was cruising along under my cloud. Cloud being the name of my square, non-rigid wing canopy at the time. Out of nowhere, I hear a scream of sheer terror, and past my face, I see a white puma tennis shoe with a blue swoop or whatever puma calls that stripey thing on their shoes. (laughs) Somebody has just flown through my parachute lines, severing several of them. Holy sh**. This ain't good. I look down and see another parachute being being cut away and the reserve deploying. I immediately recognize the canopy and know who it is. I quickly test my canopy. Does it stall? Turn left, turn right. I manipulate the steering lines and my parachute responds as it always had despite the severed lines trailing along. I decide to land it and do easy, gentle, flat turns and make a normal landing. The other guy is on his back, hollering at the top of his lungs that I collided with him. He does not shut up about it. The accusations continue and by the end of the day, I'm the one that's too inexperienced, that doesn't have enough situational awareness, that is dangerous to be around and I am shut out. I say what happened from my perspective, perhaps too quietly, but by now it does not matter. The confirmation bias has set in, despite one of the most experienced among us pointing out the fact that the other guy is blind in one eye. So why is he even jumping? He has no depth perception. That he was spiraling in the direction of his blind eye to the right, and how could I fly through his lines if I was the one going straight and level below him? The truth did not matter, so I quit. For three months, I did not jump. I do not speak to anyone involved. I have nothing to do with any of it and spend weekends in woods looking for rocks and stargazing. I really love jumping. I miss jumping. But holy crap, being blamed for something I didn't do was overwhelming. The really experienced guy who pointed out what to me was the obvious got the area safety officer involved. The ASO was not at LaGrange that day, but he knew me. He knew the other guy and had made many skydives with us both. He talked to as many people who saw what happened as possible. So when the phone rang, and remember kids, this is when phones were mounted to on the wall. We know! We were... Uh, you may think that we are so young we didn't have that. We did. Shut I up. I still did the I had corded radio phones. phones. Yeah. I did. I, I had, had a corded phone yeah, that but was we attached had, to the wall. My Aunt Marty had a radial phone for forever. Yeah, the rotary. Rotary phone. I had one yeah. at one point too. Oh, Aunt I, Marty says hi again. Oh, yeah. hi. Yeah, the rotary phones. I, I know how to use a rotary phone. I know I, how to do all We that. all know how to use... You seem to think that we are completely not <laughs> in the know. We 
I are in the weird in between where we had all of that stuff and all the new stuff like I still at the had same time. Saturday morning cartoons and playing in yes. creeks. Hell yeah! On the yes. weekends, I had on a creek evenings. in my backyard. Of course, I. Played. My best friend did, so we were out in the creek all the time. Every like after school, like every day, we played outside all the time. Literally, that's what you did. After yes. school, you, you, what we would do, get a bunch of scooters, ride around with our friends for hours. Hours. Be home before the sunsets. Pretty much. Yep, that was pretty much the rule. And watch for cars. Yep. Yep. Anyway, sorry, got really offended. <laughs> yeah. Hey, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me, sir. Nobody had an answering machine yet. No caller ID. No way to know who was on the other end unless you had someone else answer. So my roommate looked at the phone, then at me, then rolled his eyes and answered. Then he said to me, it's Robin. Wants to talk with you. The only times Robin had ever called were to invite me on some eight-way formation load, so I took it. And he told me of his investigation. That it was indeed the other guy, the loudmouth. The guy who lost his eye in a road rage incident. Oh, good. Well. He had cut someone off, flipped them the bird, and got followed to a business establishment where he flipped the really mad guy off again before exiting his vehicle. The mad guy had a shotgun. Oh, jeez. Oh. He fired, hitting him, and blinded him in his right eye. So Robin said I should come back and start jumping again to get current that he had to spread the truth among those who just took for granted the squeaky wheel was right, who gave in to the confirmation bias without thinking. It was hard. In fact, it was quite awkward to go back and start again. However, in no time at all, my relationship with jumping and with the other jumpers was back where it should have been all along. There was never an apology from anyone, but there was a tacit understanding that we'd all just forget it ever happened. In fact, I was a groomsman at the Loudmouth's wedding, and I nearly set his house on fire with fireworks one fourth of July, but that's another story. <laughs> I, I think, sorry to say this, but you should have set his house on fire with <laughs> I think what you meant to say was, I did set his house on fire. Yeah, but see, because he said, I, because he said, I, I nearly set it on fire, then it doesn't sound like he intended to. <laughs> Plausible deniability. Exactly. You can't you can't prove anything. <laughs> I said nothing. There you go. Also, I hate people like that. I hate people who seem to think that They're because parents. you're younger and because you look less experienced that you don't know what you're doing. I'm sorry. No, you don't know what you're doing. Karen's. He's and just a he's just a Karen. Don't listen to the Karen. And that's not a derogatory term for all of you who I I don't imagine a lot of Karens listen to our podcast. No, I work with a Karen. She's really nice. (laughs) You've missed my point. But yes. If you are, if your name is actually Karen, we are not saying that you are bad people. No. And the term Karen is gender neutral. It can apply to men. Yes. So he was just a Karen. Uh, And clearly so, because um, he got his eyes shot out. For road raging. Road raging. Yes. Which, by the way, don't road rage. It's not worth it. And also don't pull shotguns out on people when you are road raging. I mean, it's just bad. It's a good way to go to jail. Okay. Last one. Last one. This one's also from Kaylin. (laughs) This one is entitled In Memory. Also, she is from In Your School District. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. We still live. Thank you. Actually, I don't live in the school district anymore, technically. But you guys do. Yeah. We do. Kaylin and I used to live across the street from each other, so. Yes. This is a short one. Today I learned that I knew someone who worked on the investigation of the Challenger incident. My great uncle. Wow. I knew he had worked for NASA, but I never truly knew the capacity in which he did. Unfortunately, I learned about it from his obituary as he passed away on Monday. Oh. 
So sorry. My great uncle was sharp as a tack, even as his age began to show. I've never met someone that I truly believe forgot more about science than I have ever even known. He loved doing crossword puzzles and jigsaw puzzles. He was such a goofy guy and had quite the wit to go along with his intelligence. It's weird to think that he is gone and to know there were so many things I could have asked him about with his time at NASA. Sure, I don't know how many answers he would have been able to, t to tell me, but still. The world just lost an incredible man, and I'm very grateful to have seen him over the summer. Even if I don't know, it would be my last. Even if I didn't know, it would be my last. Sorry for a bit of a downer story. Hopefully, someone has some jokes or something to tell that are better than this one, which I know you guys have heard before. What sound does a rubber plane make when it hits the ground? Boing. Boing. Speaking of which, I'm wearing a Boeing shirt right now. You are. The Boeing Pride shirt. Yes. Thank you for the story. Thank yes. you, everyone, for all your stories. Thank you, yeah, everybody for your stories. We appreciate that. And it was a good conglomeration there was a, of stories. quite a bit of you that turned in stories that have never done stories before, and I was like, thank you, thank Appreciate you. it. And again, it doesn't have to be about aviation. Clearly. Like, we, obviously. I mean, if you have an interesting story, like Vanessa's story, also, Vanessa, we need to figure out what were the other two times you were yeah. I need to know. This is now a requirement. I need to know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if you have a really interesting story like that, like the time that Brendan got attacked by seagulls while he was at the beach, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and also Please let us know other train stories, other whatever story. I mean, just yeah, we like this is how we engage with you guys. Just one of the many ways, but this is how we engage with you guys that uh, you get to participate in the podcast. Hey, hey, hey! So yeah, do it. And yeah, we appreciate it. I mean, like I said, it doesn't have to be aviation related. We like aviation related stuff, obviously, but like. The train stuff was great, Dallas and Taylor. Always love the skydiving stories from David. Always. And I mean, if you learn one thing from this, these listener stories too, is that everybody has amazing stories. You just have to tell them. What were the themes for all of the months? I don't even remember. I don't recall. Uh, I don't even remember either. New Adventures was January. Last month was love stories, obviously. Don't remember what December was. Or February. I don't I have remember no what December idea what was. December was. It was so long ago. Love I stories. I was in. Nick and I were in love for like years before we actually started dating. In a sense, yeah. I fell for him on a bus ride up to Grand Junction for a band festival. I remember. I was there. Yes, I was in the room. <laughs> You were in, in the room when, when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was sleeping, to be fair, because I was exhausted, but I, I was there. Yep. We hung out at the hot springs at Glenwood Springs. Highly recommend. They are getting renovated, by the way, in case anyone are wanted they? to know. They have not oh. been renovated since the 60s. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's probably time. They've done some other, like, they've added to it, and they've done No, they've, like, things, they've but... closed the entire thing. That's probably for the best. It needs to be a little updated. It does. So, anyway. There's that story. Miranda is my platonic soulmate. Yeah, I believe that soulmates are not always, like, romantic, romantic love. No. I think you have soulmates that are platonic, or even love in a different sense. Like, I think my mom and I are soulmates, because we get along so well, and we're so, like, mm -hmm. close to each other. I think you and I are soulmates. I think Kay and I are soulmates. 
none of those people do I have a romantic, obviously I don't have a romantic relationship with my mom, but, um, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a little weird, but I think that, um, soulmates happen. I mean, there, that's a deeper discussion that we can talk about like on a post episode sometime, but yeah. 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 Miranda is also the love of my life in a very different way. So. I'm better than Nick, just saying. <laughs> actually. Wow, I see how it is. Actually, Miranda was my Valentine this year and not Nick. Uh, Even though we all true. went and did Valentine's Day dinner together. Yes, but I was the Valentine. <laughs> yes. I, Fair enough. Because your date couldn't. Yeah. And she asked me first. I didn't know I had to ask. We're living together. <laughs> For the state of Colorado, we're already legally married. Hush. (laughs) Miranda said the words, will you be my Valentine? I think I said to TikTok. Yes. It was like a TikTok, too. It was like, hey, bitch, you want to be my Valentine? I was like, I should send this to Christy. So she won. (laughs) Whatever. All right, friends. Well, thank you for listening again. Thanks. March stories are lucky stories of any kind. Or, like I said, Vanessa, we need the other two stories. Well, those or- are considered lucky stories because she didn't drown. Yeah. There you go. Oh, hey. This saga. 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 I'm telling you. And we already also- have the David saga that has expanded over several months. How many How many Years. lucky stories do you think he could submit? A lot. Way more than At this we probably point, have. That was one of them. To read. That was one of them if I ever heard. Yeah, someone flying through your parachute. And you managed to both land. Yeah, that was pretty lucky. Yeah. Jeez. And again, any stories. You have a story? Tell us a story. Tell us a story. We like stories. Turns out. Turns out. All right. Thanks, friends, so much for listening. Um, Again, check out all our other stuff. If this is your first episode you've ever listened to. You must be wildly confused. Why are you here? There's so many much content you need to go check out. Yeah. Which, by the way, that means you should check out the Patreon a lot of our patrons actually submitted. David's a patron. Taylor's a patron. Dallas is a patron. Kaylin's a patron. Kaylin's a patron. So thank you, patrons, for freaking showing up. <laughs> uh, but really, thank you. Yes, we do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, and if you have any questions about that, by the way, or if you just want to say hi, uh, you can email us. You can message us on Facebook. Instagram. Or Instagram. Or, or Twitter. Twitter. Or TikTok. Doesn't matter. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you all next time. Keep your airspeed up. Thank you to everyone who submitted their story for this episode. We are your hosts, Nick, Miranda, and Christy. Our theme music was composed by Miranda and performed by all three of us, plus Leo. Our logo is by Naomi from Not a Monster, Not a Boogeyman. To submit your aviation story, go to hardlandingspodcast.com. And check us out on social media. Catch you next time.